Paige. And I'm Sue. And this is the George Ahea podcast. And in this episode, we're talking about Arabella. So Arabella, who is our heroine, is um, travelling from Yorkshire to London to visit her godmother, Lady Bridlington. Mm-hmm. And she, um, who's going to introduce her to London society. Oh yeah, she's going to have a season. Have a season in London. Lovely. Um, and the coach breaks down, her coach breaks down, mm-hmm. and she seeks refuge in a house which turns out to be the hunting box of Mr. Bumaris. So she, she seeks refuge here, and um, unfortunately she overhears Mr. Bumaris, who is talking to his friend Lord Fleetwood, who mm-hmm. is staying with him, and he is saying, he's basically accusing her of the breakdown all being a trick to... Yeah. Um, Voice herself upon him. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, and she is... Um, impetuous, Impetuous is yeah. the word that uh, is used to describe her, isn't she? Mm. And she um, is provoked into declaring that she is an heiress. <laughs> and this is to put him in a, his place. Yeah. Um, and to show you that, yes, it was not a... A plot. Yeah, she doesn't need <laughs> him. She doesn't need him. Yeah. So, should we talk a bit about the main characters mm-hmm. and start with Arabella, yeah. our heroine? She's lovely. She is, and she's a beauty. Yes, definitely. And she is um, you know, well known in her little circle as being one of the local accredited beauties. Yeah. And she, her father is a clergyman, mm-hmm. and they live in the vicarage. With a large, loving family. Yeah, I think it, four sisters, four brothers yeah, in total. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, one of them's a baby. Mm. Yeah. Mrs. Talent seems surprisingly calm and together for that situation. Yeah, it's quite sweet, yeah. the relationship between the mm-hmm. father and the mother, isn't it? It's, yeah. We can see immediately it's it's a very loving relationship, um, but she is the more sensible, more practical of the two. So he is very much, because um, he's a clergyman and he's got very strong principles and mm. he wants his um, sons and his daughters to be raised um, with, with very, yeah, with, with high principles. Mm. And um, she's a little bit more practical mm-hmm. about the ways of the world, I think. Yeah. So, yeah, we meet Arabella in this very sweet domestic scene in the parsonage in Haythorn. Um and the sisters are gathered together wondering if they're going to be able to get Arabella to London to have this season. Because there's quite a lot hanging on it, isn't there? There's a lot of pressure. Mm. Because if she establishes herself creditably, then she can bring her sisters out. So Arabella, as a character, so she is... So we know early on that she is impetuous. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Sorry, just to interrupt you. There was a bit where... Um, her impetuosity is there's an example of it and and her dad's anger as a result and uh, I I think the bar for impetuous is very low <laughs> because basically um, the, the vicar says something that suggests just slightly that, that maybe he's changing his mind about letting Arabella go to London and and she says Alarm at the vicar's words for an instant suspended every faculty. Then she exclaimed hotly, Papa, you are unjust. It's too bad. The vicar had never been a severe parent. Indeed, he was thought by some to allow his children a shocking degree of licence. But such a speech as this went beyond the bounds of what he could tolerate. (laughs) Really? 
I just I said worse to my parents. <laughs> but I think respectful one's parents was seen as very high, a very high importance, wasn't it? You are unjust. It is too bad. Yeah. Oh, it's still a stretch, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's because she said it quite hotly as well, yeah. didn't she? she? Yeah, she didn't pause and reflect on. Yes. On what she was saying. Yeah. And then Mrs. Talent there comes to the rescue again to smooth things over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you get the feeling that that happens a lot in that family. Arabella is very much a moral, kind hearted person. She is. She's a very likeable character, isn't she? She cares a lot yeah. about her fellow man. Yeah. And is. Um, yeah, she's she's kind of she sees, um, she see I guess she sees her role as a clergyman's daughter mm. to help other people. Yeah, she's it's definitely an active thing for her, isn't it? It's yeah. not just trying not to do any harm. It's actively go out there and help people. Yeah, I like that about her. So when the maid in in Lady Bridlington's home had toothache, she takes good care of her. Yeah, and when she sees a horse being whipped too hard by its master. She steps in and intervenes and, and tells the guy off. She's yeah. quite fearless like that. When, she, when she her anger's up, she's she's tough. And it's quite... And I, this is uh, in contrast to the rest of London society, yeah. which um, yeah, she comments on, doesn't she? That they don't seem... No, no one else seems to care about yeah. um, the rest of the world and everyone's in their, mm. their bubble mm-hmm. um, in high society. Mm. And she... Um, yeah, and she's different. And I, and I think that that is one of the reasons why Mr. Beaumaris ends up falling in love with her because she yeah. is different and she's not afraid to yeah to show that yeah she's got some depth yes so he tends to mock people who follow things blindly and she definitely doesn't do that she yeah. has her own moral code and she sticks to it yes exactly no matter what anybody thinks yeah she's a social justice warrior of the regency period I would say though that she's not a naive character she understands things that are going around her very well I think she's perceptive she's not weirdly unconscious of being very highly sought after like she, she understands her position as the local beauty back home yes she understands partly why she's getting some of the attention in London yes and she understands yeah she understands as well that um she like she sees it for what it is mm. as well doesn't mm. she that this is it's quite a a tenuous position I guess because it could it'd be taken away at any point if Mr. Boomaris or yeah. um if yes if he if he drops her if yeah. He, uh, yeah. then and she sort of keeps him keeps him on a string a little bit yeah so. she's savvy enough to understand what she's getting out of their relationship so she knows kind of what he's up to she doesn't trust him she knows that he's amusing himself mm. but as long as it's working in her favour yeah she'll so, go we, so she's it. intelligent as well we yeah. see her intelligence and we see her yeah that she's not naive yeah and I think she acknowledges that she does have an attraction to him mm. but she's probably in a little bit deeper than she realises yeah definitely but I, I guess Arabella and Mr. Bermaris are at the same point but come to it from very different angles in that they both have this sort of clear eyed view of society and how hypocritical and how heedless it can be but Arabella's come there from a good Christian upbringing and Mr. Bermaris has got there from being the leader yeah. of society and having a, a degree of cynicism from, from that. Mr. Bermaris. Yeah. 
he's our hero yes and he's so as we said he's he's, he's the leader of society isn't mm. he so um Bo Brummel has so we're after the he's period of building. building. He's, left, he's left the building and yeah. left the country. Um, and he's on the continent somewhere. And sort of Mr. Bomaris, we it's sort of taken over his yeah. his place almost. Yeah. And um, he's very rich. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he's not a lord, but he's very well connected. Yeah. And he's incredibly wealthy, isn't he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he also we know that he's a bit bored with the world. There's definitely a cynicism. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he's one of those heroes where there's a lot of cynicism about mm. um, the polite world that he le- he leads, mm. um, and he's not. Um, but he's not arrogant with no. it in the same way as other characters are arrogant. He's because he's so aware of it. Yeah, I think he's a scaled down version of some of the cynical characters we see in her other books. He's yes. just a little bit milder tempered across the board, I think. Mm. So there's quite a good description of him mm. um, in the book where we, we we meet him for the first time. Mr. Beaumaris's habitual aspect was one of coldness and reserve, but sometimes he could smile in a way that not only softened the austerity of his countenance, but lit his eyes with a gleam of the purest amusement. It was not the smile he kept for social occasions, a faint sardonic curl of the lips, that one. But those who were honoured by a glimpse of it generally revised their first impressions of him. Those who had never seen it were inclined to think him a proud, disagreeable sort of man, though only the most daring would ever have uttered aloud such a criticism of one who, besides possessing all the advantages of birth and fortune, was an acknowledged leader of society. Lord Fleetwood, no stranger to that smile, saw it dawn now and grinned more broadly than ever. So that's a good smile. It's a good smile, yeah. And I think we. Um, yeah, we see that a bit with with a few of the a few of the male characters, few few mm. of the male um, Georgia Hay he- heroes, that um, to their friends, it's a bit like with Sylvester as well. Mm. Um, to their friends, they open up and mm. they are, yeah. um, a, you know, fantastic company and yeah. kind yeah. and generous. But the face they show to society is is different. But that makes sense, doesn't it? Because they're the celebrities of their day. Yes, and you don't put it all out there, so you you do have your public persona, which is probably a little bit shut down, and then what you're really like behind closed doors. Yeah, and we know that he is, or because because he's rich and because he's so well placed in society, that all sorts of lures have been mm. cast out to him mm. by young females, <laughs> young and women, their and their mothers, yeah. I'm sure, um, to try and ensnare him, mm-hmm. and that's one of the reasons why he thinks that yeah. Arabella has um, broken the, the whole broken down coach thing was just a faradiddle. Yes, <laughs> a trick to um, yeah catch him. I would say with Mister Beaumaris that you're never left thinking for very long that he's an unpleasant character. Like whenever he does something a little bit shady, he then does something very nice quite quickly afterwards. So um, there's a scene in the hunting box where, um, where I think Lord Fleetwood has invited Arabella and Miss Blackburn to stay to eat. Um, and Mr Fleetwood says, um, In fact, we were very much obliged to you, for we had been wishing that we were to have company, eh, Robert? Certainly, agreed Mr Beaumaris. Was I not just saying so? 
Miss Blackburn, having undergone a lifetime of slights, was quick to catch the satirical infraction. She cast him a scared, deprecating look and coloured. His eyes met hers. He stood looking down at her for a moment and then said in a much kinder tone, I'm afraid you're not quite comfortable there, ma'am. Will you not draw nearer to the fire? So he's there he is, taking so notice of a woman who he's got no need to notice. Yeah. So I think that is an important bit, isn't it? Because we know he's kind. Because if, if you didn't have those little bits in, mm. what he does next yeah. <laughs> yeah. with um, encouraging Lord Fleetwood to um, to believe that he's heard of Arabella's fortune yeah. and encourages him to mm. uh, spread it around town... Mm is actually quite cruel. And he absolutely knows the outcome yes. of, of that situation. He, he knows exactly. that she can't come clean. Yeah, it's really quite mean, because it is. he basically puts her in a position yeah. when they're in London where she looks like she's an imposterous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's go with that word. I feel like we don't need to gender imposter. Okay, fair, yeah, fair enough. She's an imposter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but she's not. She is, but she's not an yeah. imposter. She has just made this one, yeah, one statement, and which he knows he's responsible for. Yes, and she, and of course he knows that it is not true. Yeah. Um, he knows what she was. Yeah. What she was doing. Oh, he de- he definitely knows straight from the beginning because he does that beautiful thing where he removes the the alcohol from the table over dinner and serves lemonade instead. Yeah, but that's another example of his kindness as well, yeah. though, isn't yeah. it? Because she, he can see that she's got... This is her first bit of champagne. Yeah. And she's um, she's obviously feeling a bit tipsy and she's letting her... Yeah. Um, yeah, she's her letting tongue her run t- away tongue away. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so he, he replaces the... <laughs> replaces the champagne like it's just the most natural thing in the world <laughs> yeah and lord fleetwood is very yeah. indignant about this what is going why am i drinking lemonade <laughs> so although at first he's definitely treating this all as a game mm. i think the moment where he realizes that he is in love with or he has stronger feelings for her than mm-hmm. you know than um he, he at first thought was the chimney sweep incident jemmy jemmy now before that there was some inklings that he he was definitely warming towards her like yeah. he, he thought he was she was a very unusual mm-hmm, girl mm-hmm. and um and refreshing yeah and all of that stuff but i think it was at this moment where so arabella is in bed chimney sweep comes down the chimney yeah he gets lost in the chimneys yeah yeah and she um because she's a kind-hearted girl mm. um sees this poor wretch oh he's emaciated yeah and, and he's, yeah, yeah and yeah. he's got burns yeah oh, it's horrible yeah um and she basically rescues him mm-hmm. and confronts the chimney sweep mm-hmm. and um the master and um keeps the boy basically yeah and is trying to persuade so there's very little paperwork back then wasn't there yeah just uh, oh i'll have this child yeah exactly yeah um and so she is trying to persuade lord Bridlington to take the boy yeah as a page or yeah or something like, oh god i felt so sorry for him because they're just talking about what an ugly child he is in front of him yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah so not yeah not a very taking yeah. lord fleetwood so lord fleetwood and lord and um mr Bumaris um, walk in yeah. on this 
Bad timing. And um, are quickly apprised of the situation. Mm. Lord Fleetwood is... Um, there's quite amusing bits where he he's trying to sort of sympathise with Arabella because, yeah. of course, he's trying to win her favour. Um, but then is um is not particularly keen on taking mm. him mm. <laughs> himself so there's this bit where arabella's saying lord buddington surely surely you would not condemn a child to such a life as he has endured arabella begged her hands going out in a pleading gesture you have so much of course he wouldn't declared fleetwood rashly now come buddington but why should i demanded frederick besides what could i do with a brat it is the greatest piece of nonsense I ever listened to. Lord Fleetwood, will you take Jemmy? asked Arabella, turning to him beseechingly. His lordship was thrown into disorder. Well, I, I, I don't think... You, you see, ma'am, in fact, the matter is... Dash it, Lady Bridgerton is right. The parish, that's the thing. Unworthy, Charles, said Mr <laughs> Bomaris. The much-goaded Lord Bridgerton rounded on him. Then, if that's what you think, Bomaris, perhaps you will take the wretched brat. Then it was that Mr. Bomaris, looking across the room at Arabella, all flushed cheeks and heaving bosom, astonished the company and himself as well. Yes, he said, I will. Oh, nice. Yeah. So he um, he agrees to take Jamie. Yeah. I kind of wish I hadn't mentioned the heaving bosom. Like, how much of that was a factor? <laughs> a heaving bosom. Oh, yeah, I'll take the chance. Yeah, but she got you know they, they've yeah. got quite. High dresses. Oh no, maybe yeah. not. Mm. No, I think they describe her dress at some point actually as being pretty, like slim fitting, but high, high necked. I think they're, they're yeah. on the respectable vicarage side of things. Yeah. Anyway, we went down the side alley. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was a very nice moment. Mr. Bomaris surprised himself by agreeing to take on this child. Yeah. And following this scene with the chimney sweep. Um, there's a really great passage that explains exactly what's going on in Mr. Bomaris's head, I think. Mr. Bomaris, at this stage, would have been chary of confiding in anyone the precise nature of his intentions. He was by no means sure that he knew what they were himself, but that he had called in Park Street for precisely the reasons described by his friend, and, when confronted by the vision of Arabella, fighting for the future of her unattractive protégé, had undergone an enlightenment so blinding as almost to deprive him of his senses was certain. No consideration of the conduct to be expected of a delicately nurtured female had stopped her. She knew no discomfiture when two gentlemen of fashion had arrived to find her embroiled in the concerns of an urchin, far beneath the notice of any aspirant to social heights. No, by God, thought Mr. Bomaris exultantly. She showed us what she thought of such frippery fellows as we are. We might have gone to the devil for all she cared. I might have made her a laughingstock only by recounting the story, as I could. Lord, yes, as I could. Did she know it? Would she have cared? Not a father with a little talent, but I must stop Charles spreading this all over town. Mr. Bomaris, hunting now in earnest, was by far too experienced a sportsman to pursue his quarry too closely. He let several days pass before making any attempt to approach Arabella. Yeah, so definitely now something is it, it, it switched. He's no longer just playing, mm. um, and he's yes pursuing her in, in earnest. We should probably say by the way where Jamie goes off to. Yeah. Well, he moves around a bit, doesn't he? Because he, he's um he's such a naughty child. <laughs> yeah, and he, he yeah he clearly hasn't <laughs> he do, he doesn't know how to live in a house like um, no. Mr. Bomaris is. No, so he has some run-ins with the French chef, doesn't he, Alphonse? Yes. <laughs> which which when Arabella and uh, Mr. Bomaris discuss, Arabella says, "Oh, foreigners have no notion how to raise children." Yeah. Wow. I know, but in 
In Dr. Headbooks, there is a couple of references like this to mm. foreigners not understanding mm. children. I think there's something in Sylvester as oh. well where they talk about, yes, well, there's no notion how to raise children or something <laughs> like that. It's like... No, well, the French don't understand children, or something like yes. that. Oh no, I, you're absolutely right. Yes. There's something in there, so I, it's obviously maybe a um, a belief held by George Hayer. I think George Hayer had a French nanny who just was maybe. awful to her or something. Yeah. yeah, imagine thinking that the vast majority of people on the planet have no idea how to raise their yeah. children. I just love how casual and offhand the comment yeah. is. Like, oh, yeah. this is just everyone knows this. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so then Jemmy goes off to. I think a family in the country and then oh, that's not even working out but luckily there's a guy the in the groom. stables the groom who takes him under his wing because he's very good with horses following the incident with Jemmy we've got the incident with the dog yes Ulysses so this is the second um, waif and stray yeah uh, that uh, Arabella manages to foist upon mm. um, Mr. Bomaris. Mm. So are they driving along somewhere? Yeah, they are. That's right, they're coming back from Richmond. Yep, okay. And she sees some, a little gang beating yeah. a, a dog. It's horrible. Um, so she jumps off the carriage, doesn't she, and, and like, hits some children with a... Umbrella. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she doesn't care much about children, but she really likes dogs. Yeah, well, they were, be- they were, they were yeah, torturing him. Yeah, they had it coming, sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she protects this dog. And rescues him. Yeah. And then during the ride home, um, she quickly realises that maybe Lady Bridlington it will not appreciate this poor little dog. Dirty mongrel yeah. looking thing, yeah. And then I think there's a line where it says, uh, Mr. Beaumaris waited in patient resignation for his certain fate to descend upon him. So he knows what's coming. He knew, he knew as soon as the <laughs> as soon as she jumped out of the carriage yeah. that yeah. she he was going to end up with this dog. I think Georgia Hare was definitely a dog person mm-hmm. because dogs come off very very well yeah. in all of her books. Lafra, Frederica, exactly. Yeah. There's Bess in um, Venetia. Oh, I don't remember. That. Yeah, I think so. Oh. And um, yeah, so she, I think like, I think she makes. I think there's a comment in one of the books. It might be. Husband ring mm. where she um she makes a comment so where so one of the the baddies mm. the villain is, is a cat oh right lover, so clearly not a cat person a dog uh, person uh-huh. um and it's very sweet the relationship between oh god Ulysses <sighs> yeah and Mr Bromaris it made me feel like Mr Bromaris was maybe leading quite a lonely life because. Yeah. His dog was who he confided in. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a useful thing, though, isn't it? It's quite oh, a useful yeah. <laughs> thing because we learn how Mr. Morris is feeling through yeah. his conversations with yeah. Ulysses. Um, and it is it is very sweet. So he, at first, doesn't really want to um, have anything to do with Ulysses, but the dog is very persistent. Oh, that dog loves him so much. Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Um, and he's very loyal yeah. and gets very upset if he goes away. Oh, the bit where he leaves and um, where, where Mr. Bermaris leaves in his carriage and the dog like, yes. is running after him for so, so long that they have to stop and, and, yeah. and get let him climb on board. Yeah. And then when he goes away for longer and he doesn't go with him and then he reduces himself to skin and bones because yeah. he's he refuses like, to pining eat. after yeah. Mr. Bermaris. And I love that you, 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 
you understand that everyone in their house has been I, doing their best to coax this this dog into eating like the french chef is is providing these most amazing dishes to tempt this dog's appetite yeah that is a really good scene when they all come yeah when he returns and then they're mm. all all of them present themselves to explain why yeah, yeah. what they've done to help this dog <laughs> um yeah it's it's a very sweet relationship So his first marriage proposal comes about in a way that took me by surprise. It, it does feel a little bit out of the blue, but in in a nice way. So they um, they're in the roundabout, I think. Oh yeah, I think they. I think Arabella had made a trip to Hookham's library and spotted Mister Bromaris. Yeah. So they, they met up. Yeah, and he's just sort of taken her back, isn't he? In the carriage to. Yeah to the house he's cunningly got rid of the servant so he can have a bit of alone time with her and um, he says I hope Ulysses will prove himself an adequate chaperone I have something to say to you Miss Talent for which I do not desire an audience she had been striking the dog but her hands were stilled at this and the colour receded from her cheeks rather breathlessly she asked what is it will you do me the honour of becoming my wife she was stunned and for a moment could not utter a word when she was able to control her voice a little she said I think you must be quizzing me you must know that I'm not. She trembled. Yes, yes, let us say that, that that was all it was, if you please. I'm very much obliged to you, but I cannot marry you. May I know why you cannot, Miss Talent? She was afraid that she was about to burst into tears and answered in a shaken tone. There, there are many reasons, probably. It is un- impossible. Are you quite sure that these reasons are insuperable? He asked. Quite, quite sure. Please do not urge me further. I had never dreamed. It never entered my head. I would, I would not for the world have given you cause to suppose. Oh, please say no more, sir. He bowed and was silent. She, st- she sat staring down at her clasped hands in great agitation of spirit, her mind in turmoil, tossed between surprise at such a declaration coming from one whom she had believed to have been merely amusing himself, and the shock of realising for the first time that there was no one she would rather marry than Mr. Pomaris. Yeah. After a slight pause, he said in his usual calm way, I believe there's always a little awkwardness attached to such situations in this in which we now find ourselves. We must strive not to allow it to overcome us. Is Lady Brillington's ball to rank among the season's greatest squeezes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, nice way of handling it, yeah. Mr. Bomaris. And I think he wants her to confess to him, doesn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He wants her to trust him enough. Yeah, and which is why he says, "You know, why, why can you not marry me?" I think yeah, he, yeah. He's trying to push her to say, but she she feels like she can't. She feels like he will. Yeah, he will completely be disgusted about her lie. Mm. Um, yeah. But luckily, Bertram, yes. Arabella's brother, comes onto the scene at this point to uh, get things moving a little bit yeah. because he comes into town. Incognito. Oh, yeah, it's Mr. Anstey. Mm. Um, he's won £100 in the lottery. Awesome. Well done. Um, and he, he has a load of fun. He drinks too much. He parties too hard. Gets into a lot of debt. A lot of debt. A lot of debt, and most of it to Mr. Bomaris, because he plays Pharaoh. Yeah, yeah. And to give Mr. Bomaris his his due, he didn't want to take the money off him, but it's all this man code nonsense, isn't there, where he couldn't be seen to be denying him the opportunity to to gamble. Yeah. But anyway. um, So Bertram finds himself in this very tricky situation and tells Arabella, and Arabella forms the notion that if she immediately marries Mr. Bomaris, she can then... yeah get money from him yeah but this is all quite a helpful plot device isn't it very <laughs> um, because we need to overcome uh this barrier to them mm. getting together mm. which is the, the lie and um 
the so the so her idea is that she will agree to marry mm. Mr. Romaris mm. um at, with the hope that he'll forgive the debt yeah and also pay off <laughs> his other debts um yeah and yeah so they they come with this elopement plan don't they although Mr. Romaris is always knowing that that's that's not going to happen yeah he's, he's taking it to his grandma yeah that's right so he at this point so he's been to see her mother and father yeah in yorkshire he is pretty safe in the knowledge that she is in love with him Mm. she gets he gets that idea Mm -hmm. from her mother and from sophie back in um in the vicarage and um yeah so we so he's he's pretty safe knowledge that she does she does have um, strong feelings for him Mm. and so he is finding this terribly amusing yeah yeah, that he that she has basically proposed to him <laughs> and is willing to elope with him. Well, I think the reader as well is is with him. Where we're thinking, at what point is she going to ask yeah. him for the money? There's a really good bit, which is, oh. which is the bit where the, um, she realizes it. So this is um, during the elopement. Mm-hmm. So they're in the carriage. It was at this point that the moment for which Mister Bomaris had been waiting arrived. All at once, Arabella wondered how soon after the wedding ceremony she could break the news to him that she required him not only to forgive her brother's debt to him, but also to bestow a hundred pounds on him for the settlement of all his other liabilities. And what words she could find with which most unexceptionably to express this urgent necessity. There were no such words, as a very little cudgelling of her brain sufficed to convince her. She could not imagine how she could ever have been foolish enough to have supposed that the thing could be done, or that such a confession could be made without afterwards rendering it impossible for her to convince him that she did indeed love him. <laughs> yeah, I just like this realization yeah. that oh no, it's, I it's going to be awkward. Really it's going to be a very awkward conversation. Yeah. And he's, I mean, you do have to suspend belief a little bit mm-hmm. because she's not a stupid girl. No, and it is all a bit. Yeah, crazy. I guess you're invited to believe that it's just she's she's so panicked about her brother she's not thinking. Yeah, about absolutely. Yeah. But then this leads to yeah. the confession in the end. Yeah, she comes clean, doesn't she? It, it's interesting that on the way that she's she she suddenly realizes she's not being taken to the border to get married. She's being taken to a house in the middle. Of- yeah, <laughs> and she, yeah, and she's like, what's what's going on yeah and i think that the housekeeper makes a comment about oh Oh, don't um don't let mr bamaris keep you up too late here's your hot milk yeah exactly and she sort of realizes that maybe she's not being seduced yeah um in a house of vice before mr bamaris goes off on his elopement or not not real elopement but um his little adventure with arabella he tidies things up with Bertram to kind of put his mind at rest and sort things out there. And I think he gives um, Bertram some really good advice, not only buying him his um, his Hussar Regiment yeah. thing. Um, <laughs> what's it called? Cornetcy? Cornetcy, yeah. I always forget that, okay. Um, so, Bertram tried to speak, failed, tried once more, and managed to say in a very gruff voice, I can't thank you as I should, and of course I, I know it's for Bertha's sake, but I, I can do one thing, and I will. I shall confess the whole to my father, sir, and and if he says I may not join a Hussar regiment after behaving so badly, well, well, it serves me right. Yes, said Mr. Beaumaris, that is very noble of you, of course, but I've always found it to be an excellent plan, before one indulges in an orgy of expiation, to consider whether the recipient of the sort of confession you have in mind 
may not be made to suffer a great deal of unnecessary pain. Bertrand was silent for a moment as it sank into his brain. You don't think I should tell my father, sir? I not only don't think you should, I utterly forbid you to mention the matter to him. I, I don't quite like to deceive him, Bertrand said shyly. You see, I'm sure you don't. So if your mind is set on doing penance, that will serve your turn excellently. You've been staying in Berkshire with Scumthorpe. Just bear that in mind and forget that you've ever been within 10 miles of London. He rose and held out his hand. Now I must go. Don't harry yourself with thinking that you've broken all the Ten Commandments. You've only done what four out of five young fools do if set loose upon the town. Instantly, you've acquired a deal of valuable experience. When you next come to London, you'll do much better. I think that's excellent advice for a young it man. very good advice, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he's not looking too bad and he doesn't need to tell his father. You'll just upset him. Yeah, um, carry this burden yourself. Yeah. Good advice. It is. So they both end up in the end confessing to each other, don't they? Yeah, so um, Arabella about the lie. Yeah, and, and he confesses that he knew all along. Yeah. Um, he confesses that he knows about Bertram, mm-hmm. that he's seen him and that he's fine. He's met her family. Yeah, and so it all comes out. Yeah, and they, she cries, they kiss. Yeah, um, it's a very sweet ending. Mm-hmm. And quite a funny ending because we, <laughs> she tries to get um, him to help. Leaky, Leaky Peg, Peg. <laughs> <laughs> who is somebody that she's met when she was visiting Bertram yeah. in in the back slums, yeah. um, and once again tries to to foist a waif and stray. He seems to be putting his foot down on Leaky Peg. Okay, this is the bit. Oh, Mister Bow, I mean, dear Robert, there was an unfortunate female called Leaky Peg in that horrid horrid house where I went to see poor Bertram, and she was so very kind to him. Do you think? No, Arabella, said Mr. Bemaris firmly, I do not. She was disappointed, but docile. No, she said. No, said Mr. Bemaris, drawing her back into his arm. I thought we might have, I thought we might have taken her away from that dreadful place, suggested Arabella, soothing his coat lapel with a coaxing hand. I'm quite sure you did, my love, but while I am prepared to receive into my household climbing boys and stray curs, I must draw the line at a lady rejoicing in the name Leaky Peg. You don't think that she might learn to become a housemaid or something of that sort? You know, I know only two things interrupted Mr. Beaumaris. The first is that she's not going to make the attempt in any house of mine. And the second, and by far the most more important, is that I adore you, Arabella. Oh, how lovely. The next paragraph is slightly worrying. Arabella was so much pleased by this disclosure that she lost interest in Leaky Peg and confined herself to the far more agreeable task of convincing Mr. Bemaris that his very obliging sentiments were entirely reciprocated. Is, is this the end of Arabella, social justice warrior? <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> just right. for now. <laughs> you. Yeah. We'll give her a few weeks off. Yeah. And then, I, yeah, I do think that she's going to find a place for Leaky Peg. That's it for our discussion on Arabella in this episode. Next time round, controversially, we're going to go for April Lady. Yes, and um, neither of us. Um, this is not a reread for either of us, is no. it? This is not one that yeah we have we have gone back to again and again, but we didn't really like it. No, I think. But definitely, in doing this podcast, we found that in revisiting books, we've changed our feelings about them. So maybe maybe we've grown to love April Lady. Yeah. 
it's a long shot, but we'll give it a go. Um, we hope you join us. Bye for now. Bye.